Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm John Norman and today we bring you a very special programme from our friends at The Times Sport. In the wake of what is being labelled as the greatest cricket match of all time, The Times Chief Sports writer Matt Dickinson got to sit down with England batsman Jonathan Trott. The Ashes winning star opened up for the latest Lifetimes podcast about the extraordinary period between 2009 and 2013, when the national team soared to the top of the rankings, but then fell apart amid acrimony. And Jonathan also gives his views on England's chances in this summer's Ashes series. This is following on and a Lifetime special with thanks to the Time Sport. I'm Matt Dickinson, and for this edition of Lifetimes, I spoke to one of England's most renowned batsmen, Jonathan Trott. Now coaching at Kent, we sat down at the team base to talk about the glories of the game, winning the Ashes, becoming ICC Cricketer of the Year. But he also spoke very candidly about the struggles and the pressures of cricket and professional sport, and the toll they took on his mental health. Fielders saving the single on the offside with the slip. Three of them on the leg side saving the single. Trot finds the space he wants. The celebration will begin. Yes! Yes! Michael Hussle, that's wicked to go. Mr. Cricket, quarter short leg. Look at these scenes. England, 2009, regain the ashes. ICC Cricketer of the Year in 2011 um, as part of the England team that reached number one in the Test Rankings. Winner of three Ashes series. You enjoyed, uh, well, huge success, but also, I guess, have been very candid about the pressures and strains of the game too. Um, And all of that glory, all of that struggle is, is vividly captured in a new film, The Edge, which is out this week. I actually had the pleasure of watching that film uh, last night. It's, it's, it's quite a, quite an emotional journey. I think it gets the right balance between, you know, the highs um, and also just describes, you know, how the team sort of, of that sort of time came towards the end of its career and, and, and sort of was time for change and how it all sort of came tumbling down a little bit, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it certainly, yeah, so it's, it's a film, feels like a film of real extremes. And I guess, you know, looking back on your career, it, it touched all of those extremes. Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, I certainly enjoyed a lot of highs and I was very fortunate to be part of a very, very good side, um, you know, and, and uh, I cut myself very lucky for the career that I had um, and the people that I played with and met along the way. It seems in the film, one part of it, they ask you to um, jump fully padded up into a uh, swimming pool or something. Is that- yeah, well, Barney, who, who, who did the film, he was the uh, sort of 
at that time, the social media and the sort of video guy that did all this stuff for the ECB. 2010, 2009, when social media, the internet and online access into the side was starting to, you know, grow hugely. Um, he used to do that for the ECB and then branched off and did his own thing now. And he um, spent a couple of years going through unseen footage and that's what makes a film so good. You don't get the normal cricket shot behind the bowler's arm, behind the umpire. You get sort of um, unused footage that all the broadcasters haven't used or didn't. nobody's really seen. So you get to see different angles of things and sort of guys' emotions before press conferences, after press conferences from different angles. Um, so all that sort of stuff, which makes it unique and, and very, very good. So when Barney asked me to jump on a train for two hours to Peterborough to jump in a water tank, um, you know, I, I was very, very keen to do it because I know he wanted to make something that he was very proud of and the guys would be. Um, and that's why I didn't hesitate to, to help him whenever he asked me to do something, like walk in the Sussex Downs in my cricket kit. Um, and that's another shot in the film. He had this vision for it and he would get it right and it certainly, he certainly did. Go back to I me. Mean, the, the film neatly frames, you know, your test career, really, isn't it? Because it it starts with, you know, there's this sort of the climb of the England team, and and you coming in and and famously joining that that elite group who've scored a, a century on your, t- your test debut. Take take us back to that and and where you were in your career. That feeling of of making you know your England debut and, and doing it in such a spectacular manner. Um, well, see, well, no one actually remembers, and quite probably quite rightly, in 2007, I actually made my England debut in the T20s uh, for for uh, for England, and sort of realised then I, I got selected, but I realised if I wanted to crack at international level, I had to improve a hell of a lot. Um, so it took me almost two years to get back, and um, Ashley Giles took over at Warwickshire at the end of 2007. I made my debut, um, and so we set out for the next 18 months to getting up to that time in August when I uh, in 2009 when I made my debut, uh, working on my game and rejigging it. So it took a while. It wasn't if it just happened overnight. Um, there was two winters of Lions cricket, which is the England A side, and going to India and New Zealand and those tours. Um, and so earning the right at playing for Warwickshire and on those trips with the Lions, um, getting my call up to the, the, the test match at the Oval. I was part of the squad at Headingley, which is a test match before, but they decided to go with... Uh, extra bowler because I think Andrew Flintoff missed that test match and that was it really I was you know very confident I walked out to, to bat and um, you know I've said it a few times and it was the most fun I'd ever had on a cricket field that my first innings in the first test match was uh, was the most fun I'd ever had I mean I think walking out and Ian Bell was batting at the other end so there was that familiarity and um, having a Warwickshire teammate and just felt really comfortable and, and, and loved it really and did you feel, I mean, you go on over the next couple of years and it's interesting to hear at times talk of almost an invincibility. Is that, you know, when you're in the middle and, yeah, does it describe it to, to those of us who've never had that privilege of being, you know, in elite sport and in feeling almost as if you can, it feels like you can do anything. When you have that with a, with a teammate or a partnership, I always love to focus on the partnership with your teammate. Not really, I try to take the pressure off my own score and just worried about the team score and try to add to that and be there for as long as possible as that grew, that, that score. So that's what I focused on. And when you can do that for a certain amount of time, you sometimes catch yourself thinking, you know, that you're in the best place in the world. You're in the middle of a, a packed house somewhere in England or somewhere in the world. And you, you helping your team hopefully get a lead in a test match or get ahead of the opposition. And that's why you train all those hours and you go to the gym and, and when nobody else is training, you're training because you're trying to do a little bit more or be a little bit better than others. Um, and I think that's the type of attitude that that side had that, that that's encapsulated in this film. Um, and, uh, you know, very, very self-sufficient players, I'd like to say, a very um, focused and determined bunch of guys um, that came together and all bought into the same thing and had one goal to be the best in the world. And we certainly did do that. I guess some of your teammates, you know, even in a team that clearly was full of driven people, your, a couple of your teammates talk about you in a way that you were you know, as driven as any, um, maybe more than most. Mm. For example, um, I think it's Stuart Broad talks about you um, measuring, <laughs> measuring your socks yeah. when they came out of the washing machine just yeah. to check they're still the same length. Yeah. Can you, tr- true or false? Uh, hugely false. I think Stuart likes to add a bit of text to things. Um, <laughs> it's actually to do with making, just getting the pairs right. Because when you do socks, when you tour for so long, sometimes they can fade. 
So sometimes you, the socks get messed. Some, so you'll have a sock that's sort of 15 months old or 18 months old, and you'll have one that's six months old, and they're a little bit different. So if you send in f five pairs of socks, they're all not going to come back. The people that are folding and putting your socks together as pairs isn't going to know exactly which socks are which. So I like to get the socks that are sort of the same pair, um, roughly the same color as well. It's more to do with the color because they fade. When you go um, to the subcontinent, you don't know where your, your, your washing goes and where it gets washed. So, you know, sometimes they can come back a little bit different to how you sent them off. Is there, I mean, there's a lot of perfectionism in elite sportsmen. It's easy to see why, I guess, it's, it's the, the demand. Well, well, yeah, I think certainly, I mean, you know, I think about this a lot, certainly going into coaching now and, and, and the message I want to get across to guys and the way I want to be as a coach and my sort of philosophies is when you play a sport like cricket, um, which is a repetition sport, you know, you repeat the action a lot. You know, when you go to tennis, uh, golf, uh, baseball, all those types of things, you know, the people that play the game or generally get to the top, they have to find a way, or some people would say a sort of superstition or something like that that helps them prepare the same way over and over again. So you generally find that that guys are very particular um, in the way they prepare. And then sometimes that goes into their equipment or the way that they're like, what they want to eat the night before a game or wake up and a routine like that. So, you know, some guys aren't really like that at all, but uh, I'm sure, you know, somewhere, you know, in their own personal life that they are like that and to, to be able to get to be able to be so good at a repetition sport. Jimmy Anderson says one of the, he, he, he accuses you of basically sort of polishing your, <laughs> the inside of your box to the, to the point that it's sort of like a mirror and you're, you're looking... <laughs> True, yeah. true, true or false? Yeah, on yeah. This one. Jimmy's Jimmy was yeah. Jimmy's true that one, but I'd sort of you just sort of clean it and then sort of just end, uh, sometimes you have a routine where you you know you put your pad on and put your, sh your boots on. So I used to always put my left pad on first, like a lot of people do that, um, and then just thigh pad and then box and just clean my box and sort of just. I think Jimmy's just elaborating a little bit. <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's sort of, I guess it, it can feel like it almost borders on a sort of a OCD thing. But as you say, that's, that's, I guess that's another way of just saying attention to detail. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone's got it. Some are more obvious than others. I mean, I remember Jimmy, certainly, if I was a mid-off, before every spell, he'd want to bowl a few balls to mid-off just to loosen up. And I knew that he liked to bowl. I'm not going to say how many he liked to bowl, but I know there's a certain amount he likes to bowl. So when it was one short of... The, I know the number he wants to bowl. I'd always just turn away and walk off and I'd end up walking around <laughs> the field after me to bowl that certain delivery. And, and so everyone's got their own little superstitions. Yeah. You know, Stuart Broad has his jump before a spell and Matt Pryor's got a few things that he does. And, um, you know, everyone's got him. It's just some are more obvious than others. You join an England team that is, you know, on on the rise. It's, you know, it's had a Nadir only sort of months before that. Um, but it's starts to sort of soar up under under flower and there's a, quite a big deal made in the film of Austrian training camp and, and it, it sort of a, makes it seem like a sort of SAS style sort of brutal well that's the thing I mean Austrian some guys think they were in Germany I don't even, I don't even think they know where they were I think they flew to Germany I don't even know I wasn't there that's a yeah. funny thing because you know my first child was being born so um, we often often joke with Andy Flyer about it and that the two highest run scorers of that tour, which were Alistair Cook and myself, weren't actually on that tour, on that trip because Alistair Cook's brother had a wedding. I know I think Cookie went for one day, but he wasn't there and did, didn't do as much as the other guys. So yeah, that, that's sometimes quite a bit of a, a point to have a giggle about. Um, You're glad, to, probably glad to have missed it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> By the looks so of it, seeing the footage I see in this film, you know, it's pretty pretty um, pretty obvious. The guys went through a bit, and there were some certainly some things that confronted and some hardship. But those things are good, and that's very much Andy's philosophy, and and and, and Andrew Strauss as well. Um, you know, they like to he likes to challenge himself, um, you know, in his own way, where where flowers are a little bit more obvious for how he does it in his everyday life, and certainly at that time, um, and the way that he pushed himself. And did you? How did he sort of push you? How did he handle? You flower, because I mean, again, it, it obviously we'll get into it. The, it. the debate becomes about were people being pushed too hard. Um, I think Andy, you know, and I are pretty similar in that regard. We like to work hard and push ourselves and um, make the most of whatever talent we had. Um, our philosophies are quite similar on the game. We, we speak quite similar when chatting to each other about cricket, the basics, and doing the disciplines and the basics really well. Um, and focusing on a team was the team is more important. Yes, I think cricket is very much an individual game within a team sport. Um, and to find that balance is, 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 port is important. 
um, but at the same time, making sure that you've got your own own house in order, I should say, um, is, is is just as important so that you can add to that side. And 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 Andy's very much that way inclined um, and very focused on guys getting their house in order so that the team can win. The high point, I guess, comes around the 2010 to 2011 ashes um yeah i think so but i also think you know going to india and winning there is also you know it doesn't get touched on much in the in the video but you know to go to then it, it, it actually had been a lot longer um than the the ashes win 2010 11 going to india and winning there the the, the last mm-hmm. time an england team had won there was a couple of years longer than you know in australia so um and if we think against the, that indian side we played against the greats you know tendulkar saywag uh, Harbhajan Singh played a few tests, so they had all the, the you know mm. the good players. Kohli was part of that. Dhoni, so yeah, you know that was just as good. I just don't think because it wasn't, you know, Sky weren't allowed to broadcast it. They had to sit in London commentating on the game because there were some TV rights disputes. Um, I don't think it got the attention that uh, you know obviously the Ashes captured um, because of the rivalry and the tra- tradition of the Ashes. You know, mm. captured everyone's imaginations, but. Yeah, don't make no mistake, that Indian tour was something special as well. Well, also, I guess as well, that reinforces, you know, some people sometimes talk about how much rankings matter, but winning, as you said, the fact you, you, you beat India and Australia, there wasn't a sort of glitch of rankings. That was very much reinforced and you were yeah, a, way a, as well. a truly um, outstanding team. Yeah, so to go to one, we beat India here 4-0. Um, yeah, no, we just played some very, very good cricket. South Africa came here in 2012. And they were very, I think they were at the same time that we were sort of 2010. Um, they were very focused and determined to come here and get their number one ranking back. And they beat us here 2 0. And that's, uh, you know, obviously, you know, everything started from there. And we obviously went to India. Kevin came back into the side um, and did really well. And Alistair took over his captaincy. And uh, we had another couple of years of, of playing good cricket. That retention of the Ashes in, in 2010, people would, I guess, obviously jump to the MCG and you scoring a century as the high point but I th- I th- I'm sure before you told me actually that there was the, the run out the yeah. that you sort of almost is more captures to you a moment where you just thought this game is is I can do anything and this game is fantastic well, well, yeah but I, I, th- I think it, it leads to the, the game before where Alistair and myself put on uh, I can't remember exactly how much it was um, but we got to 517 for one at Brisbane two days or three days before that uh, and you know we were both pretty tired, and I, I, I know I certainly tired. Alistair didn't seem to get tired that trip. And then first over of the game, we won. The, we we lose a toss and in the field, um, at, at predominantly at Adelaide, which is a very batter-friendly place, and you need early wickets. And I got the opportunity to uh, run out Simon Katic in the first over, fifth ball, I should say. And then uh, we got Ricky Ponting out the next ball. So that that sort of adds to it, I think, getting Ponting out next ball, and then. And over two later, we got Michael Clark, and they were they were five for three, and and, and just started off, which I think is one of my favourite Test matches. I got uh, I got score, I got seventy or sixty odd in the in the in half innings. Kevin got a fantastic double hundred, Cook hundred, and then we bowled them out uh, on day five, just before the the rain came, which made it even sweeter. So, um, so yeah, so wrapped up, I think. To bounce back the way that we did showed a bit of steel in our batting to come back at Brisbane because we were behind the game, and then the opportunity we got an opportunity to get ahead of Australia that series um, through a miscommunication in their running, and I managed to uh, capitalise on that. I guess that Katic run out when I mean, I'm sure when you've described it before is that again that sense of almost you couldn't miss at that point. Which I guess there's the contrast in the film of of of, of almost just yeah can't do anything wrong, which obviously sets up the decline that's to come. That for a while it fit, everything felt easy well yeah we all play very good cricket and that's what happens when you're in a good place and you're feeling confident and um, things tend to go your way as well so mm. everything sort of went our way that, that tour except for Perth um, and um, yeah I think we're, we're, we're playing good cricket and when you when you um, have that feeling around the group and around the squad of confidence you know things like that tend to go your way mm. what actually happened was the couple of months before we had the Pakistan series of the whole match fixing thing which I think brought us together as, as, as a squad and as a unit obviously it was the last test match at Lords um, which was uh, had the, the, the actual match fixing but then throughout the one day there was a lot of animosity between the two teams and that sort of stuff and we actually brought us together I think as a side and as a squad as an England cricket team squad that actually I think put us on the right track for what lay ahead on a tough tour of Australia so um, you know we're a pretty tight knit unit 
Uh, yeah, we, we certainly one will we'll certainly remember that tour. I'm intrigued to know how watching back the film as as you could have done the, that second half of it when it you hit the hit the top and yeah. things start to go. How hard was that to 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 watch back? It becomes very emotional, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I think so. But I think when it's when you've been in it and you've had a lot of time to think about what happened and and uh, sort of a bit of closure on it, I suppose, um, on your international career, you, you I think you, you you look at it and you remember, yeah, that was a, that was you know there was some highs there and that was a bit of a tough time, but you sort of learned from it. And so so going to coaching now, I just sort of I feel it helped me be aware of you know what players and 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 things that I've done in the past and what I use going forward experience wise from what I've did as a player and you know help players in the future and I think it only stands in good stead for my coaching career and and where I want to go and and how good I want to be as a coach and where I want to and where I want to coach but yeah it is it is hard but I think you forget a lot of things you know when you watch that film you sort of oh I remember that happening oh yeah that happened and but also the other thing is you 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 start seeing your other teammates you know like you they talk honestly about things you know so so you, you realize you know, you think back and you think, you know, Jeepers, you think Finney was only 20, 21 and he was, you know, he had some tough times. And then Monty, and you didn't realise. And then Kevin, he talks about his things. And, you know, and, um, you know, you sometimes think, you know, maybe we should have not not saying got together and spoke about it, but been a little bit open and and uh, more aware of each other instead of, you know, being just focused on being number one and, and being the best team in the world. Um, you know, but sometimes you need that environment to push yourself along. And that's, you know, that's basically all I'd say on that. And that seeing your teammates and being honest like that sometimes is a comforting, but also you think as a teammate, you, you were one of their teammates, you think, crikey, I must have missed something almost a little bit. Well, that's, um, I think Kevin speaks very well about that in, in the film as, as well, just about the sort of feeling as if the signs were obvious and, and were missed. I mean, is, you know, that he was certainly, you know, starting to... You know, blow up basically with the fati- mental, mental, yeah. mental you know, fatigue. And I was speaking about it yesterday or a couple of days ago. And when I think about that 2013 season, um, you know, we, we were playing in Ashes. We played the Champions Trophy and then played the Ashes and then played a one day series and then a couple of weeks off, then went to Australia. And we were, we were sold the back to back Ashes, which is, you know, 10 tests against Australia. It's, you know, it's pretty demanding, especially going there. And don't forget, and I'll come on to it, but don't forget. When you go to Australia, you go a month before and you play three games. So it's not like you just rock up in Brisbane and you've, you've had a month off. You know, you've been working pretty hard. We were there for a month. We had three days off and those were all three travel days. So we went three different cities we went to to play cricket and train. But I remember I played the Champions Trophy and then played the Ashes, then played the ODIs. And the only three people from the Ashes to play the ODIs were myself, Kevin and Joe Root. Kevin didn't play in the Champions Trophy because of injury. So he had just played the Ashes and... So only two people were myself and Joe Root. And, and I think Root had come international cricket a, a year earlier or something, I think, against that India tour. So he had only really come in. He'd only been playing international cricket for almost six months. So that's the that's difference. I, and I said, no, I want to play the ODIs. You know, I remember Andy Flower asking me at the Oval, do you want to play in the ODIs? I'm like, yeah, I want to play in the ODIs. But I didn't have as good ashes as I wanted to. You know? and then, but at this, that time, at knowing that I was sort of struggling but wanting to... Um, you know, get myself out of uh, whatever I was going through by just scoring runs. Well, that's generally always happens. You get a few runs, you feel better, don't you? Mm. So, and then I thought that was the answer. But in hindsight, if I'd just taken a few, you know, a few weeks off like everyone else, and, uh, you know, maybe it would have been a lot different. So I sometimes think back on that. Um, so then I played the ODIs. I didn't do very well there. And then we had two weeks before we went to Australia. And those two weeks I spent five days a week and then indoors for a couple, three or four hours. You know, not really having a break in the nets where everyone else again was resting you know and I was foolishly working and uh, pushing myself to to the to the nth degree basically got to Australia and was okay I, I did really well I remember averaging 100 in the warm-up games in Australia but it wasn't really test cricket and under the mm. pressure whereas in 2010-11 series when I, those three warm-up games I averaged something like 25 you know and but I was in a better place um so yeah, so that that's you know I live and learn from those sort of things. So when I say going forward in my coaching career, mm. you know there are times you know that I would have learned from fantastic coaches about pushing players and then when they need to be pushed, but also at the t- right time now you know where they're saying you know, actually you know, I think you need to take your foot off a little bit, um, and actually sometimes 
being the the right option to sometimes actually say, no, I actually need a little bit of a break from cricket. I need a refresh, which I think nowadays um, the players now are looked after very well but from the ECB because they're going to go from a World Cup pressure situation and they're playing in the final like we did in 2013. We got to the final. So our tournament was extended. If we hadn't played the semis in the final, we would have had a bit more time off. And they're going to be playing in the final. Then they've also got the Ireland Test match and then they've got the Ashes. And then, then they go to New Zealand, then they go to South Africa, then they go to Sri Lanka, and that's all before March next year. So you can see the international workload is getting, uh, you know, it, getting, it is very busy. Mm. Um, and I think the ECB are very, very switched on about that and getting guys rest. Much more so, obviously, now now than then. I mean, that, that you touched on before, that, that sort of inability to for someone to maybe sort of speak out or you know see the sign in either in themselves or others and, mm. and sort of bring it onto the table is that is that a sort of masculinity thing is that well I think it was a sign of the times then as well um, as well I think it was a bit different to how it is now six years on I think the world's very different about that I mean a, a great a great example of that I remember before my debut 2009 they wanted me to play they said we we're going to be playing in the test match um, on Thursday and this was well, this was Friday I think so Thursday and they said we want you to go play in the Lions game because Australia were playing a two-day game at Canterbury funny enough on the Saturday Sunday and then travel Monday train Tuesday Wednesday start Thursday and I was there wanted me to go and play just so I could practice against their bowlers if you like but I just had a four-day game against Nottinghamshire and I remember speaking to Andy Flower you know he said congratulations you selected you know we want you to play the Lions game still because I was down to play and I remember I remember saying Andy you know I just had a tough four days against Nottingham yeah we followed on I batted, I got some runs in the second innings. I'm feeling really good. Um, is it at all possible that I can miss that Lions game and see you guys on Monday night, just have the weekend at home and just relax, clear my mind, ready for it, my debut test match? And I look back on that and I think, you know, I had such clarity in that decision-making to ask a guy who I respected hugely, even though I hadn't really played, know him or I hadn't played for him at the time, Andy Flower, that I had the, the courage to say, you know, listen, can I just not play this game? Mm. Um, if I hadn't have got runs or if I didn't feel in good form obviously I would have played well, if I hadn't have got runs or if I hadn't have been in good form I wouldn't have been playing in the test match probably and you know he asked me shut up do you want to play in the ODIs and I was very bullish and you know very of course I want to play sort of you know um, you know perhaps your ego going a little bit and um, wanting to prove yourself I don't know who I was trying to prove myself to at the mm. time but that, that's where you that's where I say I, sometimes I lost the the ability to see the wood from the trees, the sort of perspective that you, you need at an international level, that clarity and decision-making off the field as much as on it. That's basically the, the difference in that sort of decision-making and that clarity you need. So I think you've used, you, know, you said that when the game becomes life and death to a player, that's, you know, you obviously... As fans, people want to well, think the players take it super seriously, but actually, it can reach a point where it's all-consuming, and that's a well, danger. Yeah, that's you, a danger. Start, I think you start, you know, take when it starts going away from the field, and you start, you know, it starts affecting you, yourself, how you, you sort of think about yourself and your self-image uh, that you have of yourself, I should say, um, and the way that other people view you. Uh, you know, so sometimes, uh, um, you know, you need to be able to switch off and not be the cricketer. Um, but at times when you just want it so badly and you lose that perspective, um, you know, you, 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 you want it so much that you, it, it's all consuming really. And so that you can't get that break and have that time away and um, you're living it 24 hours a day. So that's what I meant when I say it becomes life or death. It becomes all consuming and uh, it feels like there's nothing else really besides cricket. You don't have that perspective of, you know, life and being just a normal human like everyone else in this world you say that night and day because you talk about waking up at three four five six in the morning well yeah i I think everyone has those nights where you're worried about your your place and you have those sleepless nights um so yeah i I think you have those times but i just remember it very very vividly and i've actually got a a very um, amazing sort of way of remembering a little lots of details and stuff like that about dismissals and how i was feeling at the time and how I felt in the net, did I feel in good form, that sort of thing. So um, so when it comes to describing how I felt, you know, I, I can recall things pretty well. So um, you're so desperate to do well, you're willing to try anything. And, and, and uh, 
Um, you lose the, the the clarity that you need in training, as I say, on and off the field, which is what all good elite athletes have. You know, they have that time when they can say no. You know, actually, I've trained enough. I can switch off. And I, I look back to all the times when I've scored runs or been in good form. I've actually had that clarity in the net of going, you know what, um, I can't do anymore. I'm hitting the ball so well. Um, you know, and it happens in all sports where guys actually, you take a lot more confidence by being able to walk out of the nets or walk out of practice and being mm. able to call time on um, a bit of training session. It's the ones, it's the times, and you can also remember the times when you feel like, oh, I'm not hitting the ball well enough and um, you don't feel quite right when you leave training. So that's what it's important. And that's why I say going forward as a coach, you know, the clarity. So I can spot when guys are doing things that are improving their, 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 their cricket, either batting, bowling or fielding, or when I sometimes they, you can actually see that it's having a negative impact. We mentioned the pool. I mean, that's framed around the point when Mitchell Johnson's steaming in and, and as you say, you mentioned before, that sense of, of sinking and a couple of players talk about, you know, you're walking past um, in, in tears. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's a hugely powerful part of what well, of your story that's that's powerfully told in the in the film that what how did you feel watching that oh, i was fine really about it I, I don't mind at all really i've obviously i've um you know had a lot of time since my international career finished and had a lot of time to think about it and process it and um you know what i'm proud of is coming back from that and get earning my place back in the side and um you know 2015 you know, going to the Caribbean with the boys. And uh, at that time, you know, the, the side was very different. There's a huge changeover, Swanee, Kevin, a whole lot of guys have retired. And, um, you know, I'd worked my socks off to get back in that side. I went on a Lions tour and did pretty well there at my place. And, you know, it wasn't as if it was given back to me when I said, yeah, you know, I'm ready to play. And I had to go back and earn it. I had to score runs for Warwickshire. I had to score runs for the Lions. I had to score everybody and earn my spot. And, you know, I'm very proud of that just as much as coming back from, you know, what was some... You know, you were tough times, but certainly learned from those. Mm. Um, and uh, that's certainly, I, I look back on that with a lot of pride. Um, yeah, it didn't go the way I wanted to in the Caribbean. Um, you know, maybe there's more scarring than I thought, you know, the, obviously now knowing having been through the uh, the whole thing of coming back from Australia and earning my place back, you, you sometimes you when you're batting there, you can, you can see the media center and the, the reflective glass. But once you've been through it, you know, literally or, you know, um, Figuratively, I should say, um, you, you you now know what's going on, what's um, happened, and get written about, and things get said, and all those sort of things. You know, you're not as oblivious to it as you when you were sometimes once going to the side. So um, it does does feel like I mean, it does feel like the story would be framed very differently now. I mean, it it wasn't that long ago, and yet it feels like the world has moved pretty fast. That you know you coming home as you did and and the questioning Michael Vaughan and others it feels like the world would be a lot, yeah, it was very a lot more understanding I there. mean the, the, the day I I got home the evening and then I went out the next morning and I had the the sun had a camera over my wall and asking me questions not ringing my front door you know and that wasn't great and then the, the the telegraph wanted, you know, first interview type thing, and we decided to go with someone that, uh, you know, we were friends, like had friends in the media, or sort of I knew very well, a good relationship, I should say, not friends, but more relationship I've got on really well with. Um, and then the, you know, the telegraph decided to, you know, basically run a week or just over a week of every day, some sort of negative stuff. So. That was pretty hard to take, but it's certainly again, again, it toughens you up for for what's needed to to if you want to go back into that uh, area and all that sort of arena, if you like, and play. Um, but you 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 become a little bit aware. You grow up, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it was really tough, and, and it was you know different. I think nowadays it's very different. So I I did a a, a, a TV thing, but I wanted to get it out there, and I wanted to be open about things. You know, and when I left Australia, people said it was, you know, we were, I wasn't sure what was going on. I didn't know. I honestly didn't know. I don't know why I'm feeling like this, but I just felt sick, basically. And the ECB then, you know, put me in touch, put me in uh, with a normal psychologist. Um, and after six weeks, I remember the day, leave driving around a bit, it was after almost exactly six weeks, I was like, gee, I feel like playing cricket again. But because I hadn't been in in that pressure situation, um, you know, you feel okay and it's slowly you heal and you, you get better. And then uh, I did this TV doc, uh, TV documentary with uh, Ian Ward 
Um, and it, it was, you know, I basically said, oh, that looks fine. You know, exactly right. Because the psychologist at the ECB said, oh, it's just got a bit of burnout. You know, six weeks, you've been playing nonstop for a few years. You know, you, I see this all the time type thing. And I remember I did it. And I went to Cape Town to um, see, see my brother. And um, pl- I played in an old boys game. So it's basically playing against schoolboys. So they're the first team at school. And I was, you know, an international cricketer, I suppose, at the time. And I remember sitting on the bench that I normally always sit on when I used to play years before, 10 years or even more, 15 years before. And suddenly I saw the first ball bowl. I'll never forget it. I was like, jeepers, I feel like I'm back in a test match. And trees basically turned into like the stands at Brisbane again. And I just realized, I knew there was something, oh, this is, there's something wrong here. Um, so then I, I played, I went back and I played for Warwickshire exactly the same after one game. I mean, I dropped a catch and this was terrible and was in no condition to play cricket and then the next day through the, actually through the con through the you know the the the, the, the contact and um, uh, relationship with the with the male who I did the interview with got hold of got Steve Peters and you know he called me back after leaving him a message and I went to go see him that day and within it an, an hour of being with him I knew I'd be fine and um, you know because he's a psychiatrist a clinical psychiatrist um, very different he's, he's done a lot of work with a lot of sports and some fantastic mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot bigger names than I am or I'll ever be, but all very much the same, very similar, you know, characteristics. So he could basically tell me, and I enjoyed how he worked with, with it all and being very direct about, you know, if I said something to him, he'd just say, well, this is what you got to do. Whereas a lot of the times I like that. I like the black and whites. I think sportsmen actually deal in black and white, failure, success, when, when you boil down to it. So you like the, the black and white of this is what you need to do, the direction that people send you in. Whereas the psychologist, if you said, I don't want to talk about that, um, he would go, okay, that's fine today. Whereas Steve would go, no, no, we need to talk about this. Let's do this. Right. So I quite liked that sort of approach and so that I could get to the bottom of what was happening. So he basically just said, right, you've just, over the years and you've pushed yourself so hard, um, you know, you've got a, a situational-based anxiety or you've lost perspective of cricket um, and, and the importance of it and how much of value you put on it. And that was it. Um, and certainly at the time, I think, you know, because I'd left Australia and it, we had said we got a stress-related illness, which it was. And at that time, everyone was, wasn't as clued up or it wasn't as spoken about now how people felt away from the game personally. It was all about whether you, what form you're in, how you scored runs, were you, you know, that no one really worried about the person as much as they do now, maybe. Um, and they said, uh, you know, I certainly feel, so they said that, um, you know, he's stressed about the illness. That's what the doctors and we were sitting there as the day I was leaving. What were we going to say? The media uh, liaison for the cricket side. Um, and if I just said, I'd sometimes now I'd look back and I would just said, you know, if I got depression, basically, um, which I didn't have. I mean, I've never had. Uh, I'm very fortunate, you know, lucky enough to not and feel for everyone else who've ha- who has that I would have been probably given the space that I maybe needed at the time. But because everyone had believed that I'd had something like that and when I did the TV documentary, I just said, oh, I was burnt out. And, you know, then um, you know, people didn't buy that. Mm. So I think nowadays the, the perception people have is, you know, a little bit more understanding of, of, of stuff and, and you know, what, what sportsmen go through. And, um, you know, um, that, that's how the, the chips fell, I suppose, for me then. But um, yeah, I think it's certainly a little bit different nowadays. The word resilient is so important in this game because you get knocked down a lot and you have to get up again and fight. In that time, you or your team will reveal themselves. The game never changes. It's all in your head. Playing for England is the ultimate. But while you're there, it becomes a bit like a drug. A number of different stories are told through a match. Tales of dominance, vulnerability, the rivalries, living on that edge all the time. 
group. It tells a lot about who you are. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. It's, I mean, there's a key um, point, I think, in the film where Andy Flower sort of, I think, asked the question, was it, was it worth it? And I, I think there's almost a sort of key dynamic in the film about the drive and the intensity that the team and mm. maybe your personal story to get to the heights you did. Was that possible without the sort of potential repercussions of then sort of falling off mm. a, a cliff. Could, it, could, could you have got there yeah, without very, that drive? And it's that very difficult. I think that when you want to go to the... I was thinking about this as well the other day. If you, if you, you, know, you look at individual sports, certainly as well, if somebody else is willing to work harder than you and sacrifice more, they're generally going to get ahead of you. If you're looking at cycling or, or one of those endurance sports, you know, are they... You know, they're willing to train for 18 months at a certain thing at, and sacrifice diet, food. Whereas if you sort of, can, you're not quite committed, you're not going to train as hard, you're less likely you're going to do as well. So there's always someone out there who's willing to sacrifice more and train better and give more of themselves. Um, you know, then you're not going to get to the top like we did. So that uh, you can't, it's very difficult to get that balance when you've got such ambitious guys like we did and such individuals. Uh, as we had such characters um, and when I say individuals I say individuals in a good way in that they knew what they wanted and they knew the direction and they want, knew um, how they were going to go about being the best cricketer they could, they could be for England and how we were going to be the best team in the world um, it was a very unique um, you know very unique time and uh, very very exciting and one I look back on with uh, huge fondness and that's you know I mean maybe that's is that part of of yeah being an elite sportsman I remember I mean Chris Boardman I remember talking about you know he, he dropped his the cyclist he dropped his um, wife off um, to go into childbirth and went off to recce a course and was sort of like well you know give me a call <laughs> give, give me a call when the actions really yeah. start you know and that was the, he, he says he looks back and almost like well, who was that monster that was doing that yeah and it, it is very different you almost you know you you, there's so many things you sacrifice and you you know understanding that your family you, along the way and the, you know the things that you you miss out on 
you know, you're certainly doing it, you know, for them and to make everyone proud. Um, and that's certainly why I played the game was to make my family and my, you know, my parents proud of me. So that was a huge driving force um, for me. Um, you know, sometimes too much. So I'd say in, 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 in relating to how much pressure I put on myself and the drive that I had. Um, but that, so, was, yeah. that was then, that was in, in that moment, you felt that's what it was going to take, clearly. You know? Yeah, and that's what you do, you, you know. And again, sometimes you get the balance wrong. You put a bit too much pressure on yourself or you work a little bit too hard. And unchecked, that, that can be a little bit unhealthy, yeah. So you need people around you, you know, to, to be able to sort of pull you back. Not pull you in line, but pull you back and say, hey, you know, you know, maybe take your foot off for a little bit now, or you know, maybe you know, maybe put you, you need to put your foot down a little bit more. You need to be harder on yourself, and so getting that balance, and that's what make great. That's what makes great coaches. And when I mean, yeah, Flower sort of floats that question. I suppose he doesn't. You know, he leaves it for all of us to to watch and decide the answer. But yeah, if you were answering, yeah, he doesn't give you a definitive yes or no. Yeah. So if you're, I mean, if you're, was it worth it? If you're answering it, how? Yeah, does it? Yeah, look, I mean, look, I look back at my career and whether, you know, with huge fondness, I wouldn't change anything for the world. So I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't, I think it was all worth it, yeah, certainly for me. And I, I very much, yeah, were there things that I could have changed? Do I wish I'd played more test matches and ODI spring? Absolutely. But, um, you know, you can't have everything. Nobody gets a fairy tale out of my fairy tale in my first test match. You know, not all, we're not all like Alistair Cook who does it in his first and last test match. But, um, <laughs> You know, so I had, a, I had my fairy tale. Not many cricketers get to have a fairy tale, um, and I was part of a fairy tale ride, a fairy tale team, really, if you like, with the characters that we had, the fun that we had, the laughs that we had, certainly. Um, we should say that there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of oh, I mean, pranking, I, I, pranking about oh, on it. Well. You know, we had such good characters. You think back to Swanee and you know, and um, strategically putting my bag on the other side of the change of Duswani just to have a bit of a break from the guy because he'll be on to you all the time even if you do something slightly wrong um, you know was he's perfect as we all know <laughs> but it's, it's but, interesting in the film you, you know you talk about um, you know the great career you had and and how much you'd love to have played it more there's the bit where you, you do get very emotional about what you miss from it about mm. you know just that bond that mm. you know you're saying it's not necessarily scoring centuries you miss it's just being with the guys well yeah it's, again and I, I said it earlier it's like when you stand at the non-strikers and you 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 know or for God whoever's batting at the other side you know it's very sometimes very different different if to batting with Cook or Strauss or Bell at the other end to when Peterson's there because all the focus goes on to him um, you know, so you just let him go, and and I enjoyed. And what I enjoyed actually most was how each batter was different. So as uh, what I tried to do was then you speak differently during overs. You know, so you with Kevin it was more like just see the ball hit it. You know, he's rubbish whack him. Whereas with Cook it'll be a little bit more technical, a little bit more you know you and me. Let's focus on a partnership type thing. And so I had that sort of difference and I mean, the difference uh, in. In personality of teammates and how they operated was actually what intrigued me and I enjoyed the most. So being able to adjust to each different teammate, obviously with Ian Bell I played with for a lot longer. Andrew Strauss, you know, he was my first captain. So always when I batted with him, always just looked up to him. And and I think you always have that with your first captain who awards you your England test cap. Um, you always have that sort of, you look up to them a little bit more and you hold them in a little bit more higher regard than, um, you know, other captains maybe that you've played with. So yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things, and, and you know, no special times and special people. There were some pretty um, some fun insights into the uh, sledging that we don't always um, really? get from yeah on on it as well. I mean, just going back, and obviously we've got an Ashes series to to look forward to, um, and 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 the edge that always brings. I mean, when you were out there in the middle, what was the scale of of sledge like? Not much, not not a huge deal actually. I think now with all the stump mics and stuff, guys losing twenty thirty percent of their match fees. <laughs> the guys so tend to keep a little bit quieter. Um, but there was this comment in there, wasn't it, about the broken arm and, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think yeah, I, I think what it, that was all boiled down to, and, and that hey, the way that that was is that the Australian side were very desperate to, and very determined to get the Ashes back, and maybe boiled over a little bit, and that and they hadn't done it for a few times, and so they were. You know, they're very passionate about beating England and yeah, just spilled over across the line, maybe just a little bit of stuff like that. And, you know, but don't, don't get it wrong. We, we were no angels as well. You know, we, we certainly, when we were on top, we certainly enjoyed it and we went, we, we, we certainly let other people know as well. Yeah. So you, you have that stuff. And, 
um, you know, for me playing against South Africa, there was always banter on the field. And I really enjoy that because, you know, I have huge, uh, huge respect for South Africa and, 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 and the country that allowed me to grow up and, you know, very, very passionate for the, the, the way that I was allowed to develop and the schooling system that I had and, and the, the upbringing that I was afforded. Um, you know, I felt very lucky and probably the best, I feel probably the best upbringing, you know, any schoolboy could have. So very thankful. But also, you know, very, very determined to win games of England, to win games for England against South Africa. So having played against a lot of those guys, there was always banter flying around and comments. And so the one thing that frustrated them was that they couldn't say anything in Afrikaans because I'd be able to understand it. <laughs> um, so when you say banter, I mean, what, they're giving you a stick for being a turncoat? Uh, no, actually, I remember my second test match was actually in Centurion and Steve Davis was an umpire. I walked out to bat and he actually said he's the only Englishman on this field <laughs> because I was batting with Kevin at the time. <laughs> so, you know, he said, even normally, the, even the umpires. But, he, but he actually is Australian, but he was born in England. So <laughs> he was saying he was the only Englishman on the field. So I was getting chirped by the umpire, never mind the, the <laughs> South African players in my second test match at, uh, in Pretoria. But um, I think the thing with sledging, there's always, I think it's slightly overplayed in that it's not really that much in your face sledging you know it's more intimidation through aggression and, and performance the Australian side and don't get me wrong they're one or two guys that are slightly in different characters but the Australians are they love cricket and, and they're very respectful for the game and uh, I've spoken to a few of those guys that have played with in the series before and series after all that series and just said you know um, you know, very respectful. There's that mutual respect between the two countries. Yes, on the field, it's very passionate and very, there's a lot of aggression and both teams wanting to win, you know, just as much as the other. But there's that respect for the game, but also their respect for, for, uh, for each other. As we've seen from um, the World Cup, the, I mean, the Aussies is getting, or some of them obviously getting plenty, um, sandpaper gate, uh, etc. <laughs> there'll be no lack of that when, uh, when it comes round. What, um, I mean, what are you expecting from this Ashes series? Well, I expect the England side to, you know, uh, continue where they left off with their victory in Birmingham and the semi-final. And I think it's going to be a lot tighter than, you know, people I don't ever write off an Australian side they, when it comes to the Ashes and it, um, there's always a lot of passion and we've seen some great series in the past. Obviously, England will be wanting to get their hands back on on the Ashes and, you know, they've got the team to do it. So I, th I think England will win, but it's going to be a great contest. And I think it'll be one of the, the, the one of the greats. When, and, and this England team, you know, you say you were part of a, a side that's got to number one and, and, and was very dominant for a couple of years. Where, where do you put this team in its evolution I guess in the test format well yeah I think if you look at the rankings it wouldn't be as high as you would have liked I think there's been a lot of focus on one day cricket and then I think that when that's all done and said and done there's going to be a huge focus on test cricket and getting that right um, you know the loss of Alistair Cook is a, a huge loss and I think only now you know when he's gone you realise the gap and the amount of cricket that he's played and the bedrock he's been opening the innings for England for so long and mm. ir irreplaceable if you like no one's irreplaceable but he's the closest thing you'll get to that. And also, you know, with the guys who've been in the past, and, and what would you give for a Kevin Peterson right now or an Ian Bell or, um, you know, that sort of stuff on Andrew Strauss. So they've got the talent, but it's about just the application. And um, because if you look at the way they play one-day cricket and the way that they've transformed, transformed their one-day success, uh, there's no reason why they can't do it in test cricket as well and, and, and continue to do it in one-day cricket and T20. Considering you, you, know, you get to number one in the world and the, the achievements you have, you know, yeah. it would be normal to have a reunion. But I mean, you, you, <laughs> you, you watch that film and think, yeah, that's, yeah that's, maybe. that's not going to be happening. I mean, that's, that's a pretty weird situation to be in, isn't it? Um, I don't think so. I mean, you speak to a lot of the, the you know, people who've played in teams or great teams. They're not, not, not everyone got on. You don't have to get on to play cricket together. Everyone's going to have different personalities and different... Um, agendas whenever they're played and they're going to see d cricket through different lenses obviously but I think nowadays the way it's so different is because of you know you, people used to retire and you never used to really hear from them again I think because of social media everyone's got a voice so you, you keep having these you keep hearing from people and you just sometimes wish you know come on you've had your turn just, I, get, uh, I get the sense that you probably straddled all the camps better as much as anyone. Is that right? I mean, if if there was going to be a reunion, you'd almost be the man to to, to get it because you got on with KP, you got on with Strauss, you got you know you you seem <laughs> you seem to be the man who sort of are you the best well, bridge of the no, whole. I, I don't know about that. I just think I my job when I went into the team and I went into to the England side. There's such 
you know, big personalities and big, um, such huge determination with from guys. I would just, I just wanted to get on with everyone. I just see that that's your job as a teammate is to be able because one guy doesn't get on with another guy as best of friends or they don't get on as well with some like they do with someone else. Doesn't mean you you have to sort of take sides. I always just trying to be friends with with everyone, but also treat everyone just the same. So whether you were um, Alistair Cook or Kevin Peterson or Andrew Strauss playing Ian Bell having played a hundred Test matches, I'd treat you just as the same as I treat them if it was your first one, you know and um, obviously, I think when you go into a side, um, you know, you have to earn the respect of your teammates and earn the right to, to be in that dressing room. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing you need to earn, your, your teammates' respect. And if you get that, then you, you can do anything, I think, because they've got your back. So I just enjoyed trying to get on with everyone. That was my job. And, and, and again, also, I think at times you need to be able to, within yourself, is also be able to adapt to different teammates you know some some guy would like something another teammate would like something different being being adaptable is is what's crucial as to be a good teammate and a good coach I'm guessing I mean you're with sitting now you're with the the Kent team Mm. um do you feel like you're adjusting to or have adjusted to coaching and that it feels natural it feels do you feel about it the way you would about playing as a a passion yeah certainly I I uh well for starts my, my dad's been a career coach my whole life since I've grown up my dad's being in his cricket whites, <laughs> still in them. Um, so I've, I've, I've had my dad uh, and my, my mom obviously played sport to a very high level. You know, she played softball internationally. And my dad was a cricket and football player and a bit of hockey as well, mate, hockey as well, obviously, coaching, all that stuff. So I got to watch him coach and watch my mom coach softball all the time. So I was around sport growing up and so, the fact that I've also been coached by some outstanding coaches, you know, I always knew that I'd probably want to go into coaching one day. So being able to pick the best traits and see what they did really well and how they connected with players is something I always took a keen eye on watching and, and learning from. Um, so yeah, and that's basically what I wanted to do. And I'd, I have that burning desire now as a coach, like I did as a player. I retired at the end of last year, and I'm I haven't missed playing cricket one bit. Honestly, I don't I don't miss playing cricket. I certainly think I've hit enough cricket balls that any human should ever hit in his life. Um, but uh, yeah, and, I, and that's where my passion lies now. I'm deeply passionate in coaching and wherever that may be at the moment, you know, I'm with Kent and I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity they've given me and uh, the way that I've, you know, Matt Walker, Paul Danton and and the likes, uh, Alan Donald obviously is, you know, it's a bit surreal coaching cricket now with the schoolboy hero when I was a schoolboy growing up with Alan Donald, um, you know, and so that's a bit surreal. Um, but the way Matt Walker's allowed me to come in and get on with the batters and um, also how reciprocal, you know, they've been to, to talking to me about cricket and allowing me in their dressing room, it's, it's been great. And, um, you know, we're having a pretty de- decent season in the four-day stuff. That mental, I mean, that as well, that's, I guess that's what we've talked about as much in, in this as as anything, that men- that mental side. I mean, you, you, you've, yeah, do you feel that you've, got an ability to yeah to help people to get into the right mental place mm. and then to you know through your own experiences maybe to intervene more than with them no, I, I think but also you know I, I what I when I was a player I used to enjoy the, the, the power of concentration and and what it meant to be able to concentrate and um, things that I used to do away from the ground and um, you know uh, when you do a bit of um, you know, focusing and that sort of stuff. Or I, I used to do a bit of hypnotherapy and that, when away from the game, just, you know, preparing myself for the cricket so that when I could get into that state of, um, you know, concentration and being relaxed. Um, so everyone has their own different things and, and it's being open-minded to some guys do things differently. And as a coach, um, being able to go with that and, and try and add things to it, not try and change them all, you know, because, um, you know, sort of reinvent the wheel with the player because sometimes as a player and 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 sometimes in people in life you know they all that they've got is their confidence in in themselves and the, the package that they have as a cricketer you know so, so some if you go in there and say well you're doing it completely wrong this you could destroy a person's confidence because that's all he has if if you're going to a cricket match or you're going to work tomorrow you know all you've got really is the confidence in yourself and that you can deliver if you've got a presentation or you've got to go bat for hopefully six seven hours whichever you can bat the whole day 
Um, you know, so if you start telling them, well, you're doing it completely wrong, then, you know, you don't give them much chance. <laughs> you're not giving them that much confidence. Yeah. But being able to say, you know, I think that's great what you're doing, but if you maybe how about trying this, I think this will enhance it and it'll make you even more powerful or make you an even better player or make their presentation slightly more s slicker or whatever. Um, you know, I think that's what separates the, the, the average coach from the very good and elite coaches. Are you going to sit down? With the, did you watch the film on your own, or are you going to sit down with the family and? Watch I've watched it. Yeah, I watched it. Watched it and uh, watched it at home, and uh, with family. Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they are very, very good. Yeah, it's nice to feel good to have it as almost as a sort of nicely packaged, packaged up to tell the story. You know, to um, I mean, obviously you've done your book as well, but it, yeah, um, yeah. It, did you, do you feel it's a sort of accurate? Yeah, representation of, of of everything, the good and the highs. I think so. I, I think because you are there and there's so many other things that you can't put into the film, but you'd need, you'd need three, four years if yeah. we get it all in, you know. Um, there's certain things I remember that, you know, aren't in it that are, you know, funny or serious or, um, you know, very, very poignant things in the thing that weren't captured on video, I suppose. Your, dan uh, your dancing was there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what have you got to say for that? <laughs> I, th I think I'd had a Foster's or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and that's sort of again. But I, you know, I'll never forget that that image of um, where that sat down. And I think I can't remember if it was before. I think it was before then. There had been a few cigars that I've never seen Andy Flower not be able to control addressing him as much as he did there but he's tried to he stood up and tried to say guys yeah we just won the ashes one you know fantastic and behind him was i think was david sake and ian bell and matt pry all smoking cigars and the, the cigar smoke was filling up the room and i was on the far side and i couldn't actually see andy <laughs> so everyone knew they were shouting things and he literally stopped halfway and said right so i'm not I'm not. Uh, I'm not making much sense here, and you guys aren't even listening to me. So we'll, we'll talk about this another time. And so it's little moments like that in that Sydney dressing room, and it's it's great. It's, I don't even know who made the whoever whoever captured those videos, but um, uh, I wish they'd edited out my dancing. But <laughs> that was good fun. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin and I used to do this this song uh, at the end of every sort of test series, and so that that's caught on. Uh, Caught on video, which is good fun. The song, what's the what's the what's the song? <laughs> I can't reveal everything, but it's act, it's a it's a song from uh, South Africa, so it's just a okay. bit of a, a, a bit of a play on that. Uh, I think I think also there's a few videos of us sitting in the middle of the Sydney pitch and just talking about what the Test series means and that sort of stuff. But even the guys who didn't play, you know, you forget the likes of um, uh, Adjual, uh, <laughs> Steve Davies. Uh, Tremlett obviously came in, Ajmal Shazad, mm. um, Owen Morgan was there, the reserve, Monty Panasar. So all those guys were out there as well, and they they had their say and got the moment to to speak out there and you know what they felt. You know, so even so, even when I see them now, they didn't necessarily play, but they were on that tour, and we'll always have that sort of bond, if you like, um, about the tour and and the memories of going around Australia for the months that we did and. And then on to the World Cup after that, which is a long, long trip in itself. But uh, special do times. Do you remember what you said on the on the pitch? Did you? Did you I, that's what I said. I remember saying actually. You know, the, it's funny enough. It started on the left of me, so I was the last one who speaks. So I think everyone was sort of ready to go and had <laughs> enough of it. And I just said that the, the most special thing for me is is that exact thing, and that we'll have that bond. Whether it's 40 years from now, if I bump into as much as that, and just because he didn't play, we'll still have that. You know, remember that time in Sydney. Remember that time in Hobart. Remember that. Remember that. All those memories together um, that nobody else will, you know, have in those special times. So, uh, so it's brilliant. Yeah, that's fantastic. That seems a pretty good way to finish. I think pretty <laughs> sweet, uh, sweet way. Thank yeah. you very much, Jonathan Trot, for your time. Thank you very much. This edition of Lifetimes has been presented by me, Matt Dickinson. It has been produced by Lucy Lavery. To listen to household names speak as you've never heard them before, subscribe to this podcast. Search for Lifetimes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. And if you like it, please rate and review the series. Lifetimes is a Times newspapers production. To find more of our great journalism, go online at thetimes.co.uk.
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 